What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. I am pleased to come at you uh, as always on a Sunday night to recap the week that was in Knicksland by my um, my play by play partner. I guess you've. I mean, I don't. I have to come up with a better a better tagline for you, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy Cohen. Uh, Jeremy. We were talking before that you are in a different location to record tonight um, in which you're sitting at a tiny table, apparently a tinier tiny table than the Knicks even have. I didn't even ask you, where where are you right now? I'm in Connecticut. Ooh, uh, fancy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, Fancier yes, than I'm, Long Island. <laughs> perhaps. Yes. Um, I uh, but I'm at a tinier table than usual, so it definitely feels customary based on the Knicks and their tiny table legacy. Uh, and, and what a legacy it is, uh, a legacy of, um, I don't know if it goes back to before this decade. Is this a, is this a, a post Y2K thing? I'll have to, someone, someone should write an oral history. Maybe that's the big KFS project for the rest of this year, <laughs> an oral history of the tiny table. I don't know. That's a good, yeah, I could look into that. I, I mean, I would read that if somebody else wrote it. I'm not sure that I want to do the requisite, um, research to write the thing myself, but, um, <laughs> So uh, let's 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 start with a little recap of the week that was. We we came on on here last Sunday, um, spent a lot of time talking about some potential Julius Randle trades, <laughs> which I maybe that was it. Maybe that was all that it took to get Julius. I mean, he had been playing better under Mike Miller, which I'm actually I uh, I looked up some stats today that'll be in tomorrow's newsletter. Um, his his. Good numbers really do go back um, more than just the last three games. But these last three games, I mean, three straight 30-point games, um, he's really kind of come alive. I think all he needed was for us to talk about um, all of the different places that um, we could trade him. Um, I was thinking the same exact thing this week. I was like, oh, wow, he's, he's going off. That's great. We, we should do the same about the other players. So yes, yeah. Let's yeah. Uh, can we talk about trading? Uh, let's see who needs a little boost. R.J. Barrett's been been a little little stagnant. Let's talk about trading him. Um, <laughs> no, let's not do that. So um, there's a we we texted before about some different ways that we could start this uh, this podcast. So the Knicks obviously have gone two and one since we spoke, um, and it does it it doesn't really feel like two and one because they they. They beat a team last night in the Wizards that were playing. Uh, it was literally a G League team. I, I don't know how else you put it. And then they lost to that same G League team plus Bradley Beal um, earlier in the week, which I, I I think I defined as the low point in a season full of low points. So, yes, more wins than losses this week. Uh, it didn't really feel like it, but at the same time, we're sitting here um, at, at 
five and six under Mike Miller, and there's some good numbers and good performances and things. And before we get into the thing that I wanted to start off talking about, just like what's your what's your general feeling about the team? I guess right now, the team itself or the franchise? Ooh, I lo- see you throw it right back at me. I throw <laughs> I, I I um, let's go with the team for right now. Let's go with the team. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like the captain is steering a ship far better than the previous one. And it's not saying that because the last guy nearly crashed into the rocks. <laughs> so it's the sort of thing where I, I'm, I was I'm, wondering where that analogy was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think everyone was wondering where the boat was going to go. And, oh, oh, I know where the boat was going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going into the abyss anyway. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, there's promise here, right? I don't know if we can look at it from a macro perspective because the reality is that um, Fizz put this team in such a hole and he's not the sole, um, he's not the only person who, who did this, of course, who who's re- responsible for why the team's underperformed. But it's the sort of thing where it's one less obstacle to overcome. And with Miller, I really like how he's, how he's doing Randall. I mean, you can you can address a lot of other things, but just purely looking at the numbers, and I'm sure it'll be more in your stats. I mean, he's he's just blossoming. He's really being a player that we thought we would see when all that money was shelled out to him. You know, I mean, it it not only is it the first time he scored 30 points straight in more than two games in a row, but I also looked he he never really had consecutive wins in those games either. So it's nice to see that they're not really empty calorie games that, and you know, I, I'm, there are nitpicks, of course. I mean, it's astounding to me how a big could have so few blocks, right? What is it but, now? Four on the year? I think so. You can, you, re- you really can't you can't make that up. Um, no, but yeah, such as like yeah. So it, you know, th- there's still there are issues here, but it's nice to see him not being put in a position where, like we saw at the beginning of the year, and we we talked about this when the the article that Berman wrote, where it felt like too much emphasis was being put on Randall. Like when Fizz goes to him at the end of a game and the play call is draw foul. And then the game just ends when he doesn't get the foul call. It's it's those types of things where it's nice to see that, okay, well maybe Morris and Randall can play together and play together well while Morris is still in New York. So again, and the fact that he's spacing the floor more does wonders because he's shooting 12% higher from three with under Mike Miller compared to under Fisdale. Yeah. And the, uh, the one other little piece of context I'll add, and it'll be in the Monday newsletter is over, over the last 11 games. Um, the Knicks are, and this is true of a few guys, not just Randall. The Knicks are, are outscoring, um, teams when, uh, Julius Randall is on the floor. Um, which is if you would have said that about literally anyone over the first 22 games that Fizz coached, you know, it would have sounded like insanity. Um, but that's, that's what's happening. Um, you mentioned Marcus Morris. Um, there have been a lot of guys who have seen their numbers uh, tick up under Mike Miller. Um, Marcus Morris is not one of them. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, so I, I tweeted out for those who are not on Twitter that listen to this podcast. I tweeted out on Friday um, that I had heard uh, from a source um, who would know um, that the trade wins that Ian Begley first reported were starting to blow 
um, I think, when did his report come out? Maybe Wednesday. Uh, no, I think it was actually maybe late Thursday night or very early Friday morning, whatever it was, um, that they were indeed legitimate, um, that Dennis Smith Jr. is like, it's. I guess, what's the best way to say it? There's a there's a mutual agreement um, on by both parties that it would be best if he continued his career elsewhere. Um, I, I I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I I know. Oh my god. I well, here's the thing though. It's like I I pressed a little bit on well, you know, like why why was this? And again, the impression that I got, and this is not like a quote. This is not like verbatim or anything like that. But the impression that I got is, you know, this is a player who wants a chance to run a team in earnest. And um, and my guess, and this is a complete guess that this is not something that was told to me. This is by anybody. Um, but my guess is that the beginning of the end for Dennis Smith Jr. came before train, like basically at the start of training camp when it was made clear to him that this was going to be an open point guard competition. And that this was this was not a job that was going to be handed to him. Um, so I wonder if it's even before that. I uh, wonder if it was around the time that Alfred Payton was signed, and it kind of felt like you know Smith may have read the writing on the wall of okay, well, I've got a guy who is an experienced vet. If you, I mean, I think it's fair to call Payton. Oh no, he is just six year um, in the league. Sure, I've got Frank who I can play with, but is also seeing some experience on ball, which is more of what I want to do. I'm not getting a chance. I'm not getting a fair shake here. And like the reason I laughed was because I, I, the first thing I thought of was Sinatra seeing if I can make it here, I'll make it anywhere. But I just thought of it <laughs> completely opposite for Dennis Smith Jr. It's like, dude, if you can't, if you can't be a serviceable player on a team devoid of serviceable players, how how are you supposed to succeed anywhere? Especially because he's just he just came from a team where he was playing second fiddle to Luca and had issues with it. So, and, and, you know, that's why I was, I mean, I look, we could, we could go on and on about Smith. I mean, we could talk about how by, if you, if you like the net rating as a, as a reliable statistic over a, a large sample size, um, you could say that Dennis Smith Jr. has been the worst, uh, heavy minute player in the league and you would be within, within your right to do so because <laughs> that's what the literal math says. Um, you know, and then the, obviously the thing with Dallas, uh, I, I, t- tweeted or replied to somebody's tweet earlier um this weekend where i was like you know this is a guy who had a chance to basically play with this generation's larry bird call him the poor man's larry bird whatever but i think we've seen enough from Doncic to know like that you know the guy's the real deal and just wanted no part of it because he he wasn't going to be the guy and um so look um that i i would be shocked if it didn't happen um we could maybe talk at the end of the podcast about where he might wind up but the other two names that i heard just really quickly were bobby portis and marcus morris um which is funny because i was looking on twitter today and bobby portis tweeted out something like uh or retweeted the Knicks twitter account about like a great team win or whatever um apparently he would not mind if he was to finish the season somewhere else um and the same, um, I was told, is true of of Marcus Morris. And obviously, Marcus is saying all the right things. And I'll 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 call myself out here because when I first heard 
uh, or I saw some some Twitter account had a report that like Marcus Morris and Frank Nilakino had like requested a trade. I think that was the wording of that account. You know what the one I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Yeah, that's not the case. Uh, and Frank, I haven't heard a, a blessed thing about. Um, nor have I about Alonzo Trier, interesting enough, interestingly enough, who is someone that everybody kind of assumed was the one who wanted out. Um, you know, but but Morris, I mean, and look, the guy went to the Eastern Conference Finals uh, two years ago, has been in the playoffs a lot. It's, you know, and he's doing, he's going about it the right way. He's still, although I, I wasn't, I thought his play last night was like kind of spacey. Um, mm-hmm. and his numbers over the last bunch of games kind of reflect the fact that he has not uh, been the player he was early on. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, is that a coincidence? I'm, I'm, I can't say. So I bring all this up to a, a, on the heels of you bringing up Randall and kind of us talking about this week and, and you know, where things are with this team to say that, Whatever they are right now is as much as they've changed under Miller is probably not what they're going to look like for very much longer. And I wonder if that's maybe not the worst thing in the world, Um, because it would be undeniable to kind of it's undeniable to point out the fact that from day one of camp, there was always this kind of like uneasiness because there's just too many guys that expected time that couldn't get time. And, you know, if the roster starts to loosen up and now that certain guys are starting to play well under Miller and the guy and it's the guys that you really want to play well, namely Randall, um, Mitchell Robinson, um, I would say the top two, RJ's kind of been up and down. But like it's, it's a long winded way of saying, is it are you now I'll, now I'll. I'll change it to franchise as, as a fan of this franchise and as a franchise thing, as a big picture thing, is this all stuff that you're feeling good about or are you maybe, do you have certain reservations about what's going on? Yeah, I have plenty of reservations. When I look at this roster, I don't see any future perennial all-star, right? Like I, I'm, I do. Oh, hush your mouth. RJ. I know. <laughs> no, no, no I, I, I know. I know. I, 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 really am hopeful for what RJ can become. The sort of thing is, I think you tweeted about this where it was like, you know, RJ, and if you can find two shooters, then that's fantastic. And you can really start to see things moving and chugging along. And I completely agree. It's a sort of thing where, and you said this also in the last podcast, it's like shooting is everything to you. And it, I would agree completely shooting, especially in this draft. Can I just so jump much. in really, really Please quick? Do. Yes. It's, it's really, t- it's, and here's the thing about RJ. And this is something that nobody's really, talking about it's really tough to have a, whether he's a two or three it's really tough to have a wing play 35 minutes a night for you who you can't rely on to forget about create his own shot like Damian Lillard Steph Curry style above the break um but to like not be able to hit a catch and shoot above the break three with any reliability now obviously we're a long way from that happening kids 19 he's played in 31 games but like to 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 the point of your reservations about RJ's ceiling, I just wanted to throw that in there because that's already a real thing that needs to at least be monitored. So I just wanted to, to add that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know you know this, but for those listening, this isn't me saying I'm out on RJ by any means. It's just if you were if we're looking at number one players, I'm hesitant to say that he can become that. And of course, we had this whole um, I, I guess you could. You could call it gossip 
really about cat and everything. And I know you certainly wrote about it. And it, to me, it's just not the time. To, I talked to, to Mark about to it. it. Not, not to blow my own spot. I talked to, yeah. I, I talked to Mark about it when we were waiting for Kenny Atkinson to come out the other night for the Nets game. And, but, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm saying anything out of turn. Like Mark, he didn't report that like cat was unhappy or that like that, you know, it's just that like, yeah, the Knicks are of course going to monitor that situation because who the fuck wouldn't monitor that situation. Right. So I just want to say that as well. Exactly. Yes. Usually every player should be monitored for one reason or another. I mean, we know that certain <laughs> guys aren't going to get traded. Like that's good. It's a good point. Under the coupon aren't going to get traded, but you at least monitor the situation for other players realistically. Anyway, so it's the sort of thing where I look at this roster and I feel like every everything should be on the table, not just in terms of the players on the roster, but just options to be made in the future. And one of my biggest concerns is development. And I think we're we're seeing Miller do what we hope can be an even better job. Of course, it's such a small sample size. And we know that he has a history of working well with college students. And in the G League, he's built a reputation. It's hard to know what the what dividends will be paid out considering how it's been 11 games we just we have to wait and see but dividends I in look, terms of in terms of what development of the young guys yeah in terms okay. of maxing out the potential of the younger players sure. because it. of course the thing is it's it's great if you go for high ceiling players but if you don't have the system in place to max out their potential then what are you really left with and, and isn't that the best thing about him so far? Putting all of the other yes. stuff aside, their opponents that they've played, the fact that Peyton wasn't here and now he's back. It's like the, you feel better. You feel a lot better about the development happening, even in only 11 games under Mike Miller than anything else. So from that perspective, I think that's a good thing. But I think you're talking about getting at something different. Correct. Yeah. You know, it's the sort of thing where. And then it goes to the front office. I mean, you can look at every first round pick that. Scott Perry has been a part of, excuse me, that Steve Mills has been a part of um, since Phil came on board. And I know that people can say, well, Phil was in charge. Like, well, look, he's still, Scott Perry, God damn it. Steve Mills still did. They have the, the same first operation. letter or the first name. It's, it's, it's confusing. So it's confusing. Uh, Steve Mills still ha- did day-to-day operations completely. You know, it's not like he's absolved of all responsibility. Maybe he didn't have final say, but he was in the trenches. He was flying to internationally to see Frank play, for example. He was doing the dirty work. And when I look at the work he's done and I look at what's going on now, it bothers me that every first round pick the Knicks have had since 2015 is shooting 40% from the floor or worse. That's terrible. You know, so it's the sort of thing where, and that's why I'm with you for the, for the next draft and especially listening to you and Spencer talk. um, I don't think we're going to find a savior from a a draft standpoint. Nico, baby, get me that ginger. Come on. You should be captain ginger. I I am all aboard, Nico. Are you kidding? I I need to see a ginger wearing blue and orange. It'd be perfect. It, talk, it makes a dream come true. Talk about a guy who is the absolute last type of Scott Perry player, that he, <laughs> based on like the profile of like the types of guys he goes for. A, oh yeah, a ginger white boy uh, who. Well, I, actually, he's he's not a bad athlete. I I spent some time yesterday and today watching clips of him. He's not a terrible athlete, so I shouldn't say yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's and also truth be told, I'm of the philosophy that you don't need an elite all-star point guard to be a great team, especially in Eastern Conference. I mean, would you believe that George Hill has made more Eastern Conference finals appearances than Kyrie Irving has in this decade or I guess forever? Since I, I'm here for decade. it. I'm here yeah. for it. So, yeah, like I'm, I'm fine with that level of player, but just kind of going back a bit, I 
I'm hesitant to seeing if the front office keeps kicking the can down the road, if it's this front office indeed, because that's what it really feels like. And we can get into more of the the Kevin Durant part. And of course, that was just a really bad break. Porzingis is just a bad break in terms of him tearing his ACL. Neither of that is the front office's part or fault. But um, for me, it always starts at the top. And it seems like it just seems like hitting taking a step back was was understandable. I mean, like I, I'm of the belief that we can still be patient for this rebuild. I don't want to rush anything. It's just a matter of if the person who's in charge of it all or the people who are in charge of it all really have my confidence and they just don't. And I, it has to be earned personally. And I don't know really how else they can earn it between now and the end of the season. And I, I want to give them a fair shot, but then again, it's, it's, it's tough because ah. that means they're either out of the draft position, which is so integral to helping the team go forward. Um, or they don't do well and it kind of proves them wrong. So, or, you know, proves me right. So it, I, I acknowledge the fact that I've, I'm putting them in a difficult position personally. It's just, it feels like a lose, lose no matter what anyway. Uh, I have an idea of how they can prove it. Um, but first, Jeremy, our last one of the year. Wow. It's, I know we've been doing it. We've been, it's how many times have we read this? Um, our friends at vivid seats, uh, we got to talk about them real quick because, the year ends tomorrow, and if you are listening to this, it is so you're listening to this on a Monday. That means you will have New Year's Eve to be doing something. You'll have New Year's Day to be doing something. Grandparents are around. Sitters, like, would you you love nothing better than to go to MSG and see Carmelo Anthony play one more time at the Garden? Well, guess what? If you want to see that action, you can get your tickets to MSG on Vivid Seats or along with any other tickets that you you want. Um, you know about Vivid Seats. You know about all the perks, uh, the loyalty program that you're automatically enrolled in, um, the fact that you could get the app on the App Store, Google Play, download it, um, and the fact that there's a 100% buyer guarantee. You know all this stuff because I say it on here every episode. Um in case you have not used it, though, and this is the really important one, enter promo code OVERTIME, that's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. One more time, Vivid Seats, promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100 for new users only. I was thinking about it today. I kind of wish I was covering that game. That would be fun. To, yeah. co- to cover the mellow return. I, ha- I I think the fans will give him. Is it, is it, it's probably not going out on a limb to say that he'll get the warmest reception from a former Nick since Ewing came back to the garden. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, the first, when you said since first name popped in my head, had to have been Ewing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying, I, since I've been alive, at least I don't think anything else would even, uh, I don't remember when Oakley came back with the uh, with the Raptors. What kind of? I don't remember that being a thing. I was young, um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't remember what that was like. But I feel like David Lee might have gotten a good reaction. I can't remember. I'm sure it, it was nice, but, but like you know, how big of a reaction can no. you get when you never won more than whatever it was, thirty two games with the team? Exactly. Um, okay. Um, so uh, you just asked the question. Like you don't know what the front office could do between now and and the end of the season to kind of win your confidence. And I, I'm thinking about this in, as a two-pronged thing. 
I, I always go back to, like, you brought it up briefly, and I'll go back to it briefly again, the summer, right? And if we look back and we think about, like, uh, so I've gotten on them more than anything for making Julius Randle the centerpiece of their their summer. Basically, the thing, the first domino to fall by which all the other dominoes basically um, fell from. And I was extremely critical of that because I felt like he was not um, adjusting his game to the point where it would benefit the team. And um, they did not do their due diligence as far as like what this guy would look like as the centerpiece of an offense. Um, and specifically the centerpiece of an offense where he would be the engine of it. And all of those types of things have now over the last 11 games started to change. And if you look at Randall and you look at um, Alfred Payton and you look at the fact that the fir- the first five guys that they signed were well, actually, no. Portis was in there too. So look at it this way: the first six guys that they signed, and really the original six, because we'll, we'll leave Marcus Morris to the side because he was kind of an afterthought. It was Randall, who's been very good of late. It was Peyton, who's been very good of late. It was Taj Gibson, who by all has nobody's complaining about, even though his net rating is abysmal under Mike yep. Miller. Um, but he's been what you know, he's been a consistent, steady presence in the locker room the whole thing. And then aside from those three guys, they went out and signed three shooters at their respective positions. They went and signed arguably the best shooting guard in terms of three-point percentage that you could find in Wayne Ellington that was available. Reggie Bullock at the small forward position, although he swings a little bit. And then Bobby Portis at at center. And what does this team desperately need? They need shooting. Well, those were the three guys they signed. I... When I think about the front office, I'm always more about like this. And this is what I was thinking of after the Wizards loss on when, when was that? Was it uh, Monday night? Yeah, Monday night. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like a good like if a healthy organization does not allow that loss to happen. And now, and you know, and it's like that's your reaction the night of and that's your reaction the next morning. And then some time passes and they, they win a tough, hard fought game against the Nets. And then they win a game like last night. And it's like, well, was I overreacting a little bit? And those like th- that's the place that I'm in now where I'm like, am I have I overreacted too much this year to the bit and, and in drawing big picture conclusions about whether this front office um has what it takes to kind of set the right mindset, the right vibe, the right whatever loosey-goosey word you want to insert here. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, and it's less about the moves that they made this summer because I think, again, if you look at the what they did this summer now in retrospect, it, like, you know, yeah, would Ricky Rubio make a lot more sense on this team? Sure. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of in that, you know, I always get in this place. I'm in that wishy-washy zone. That's yeah. where, That's where I'm at. Well, yeah, I agree. We we wanted more shooting and we did get it. It's just it hasn't really come in the way that we were hoping for because there are a lot of other areas of the game where the players are kind of just negatively impacting other other spots. And, you know, like I was thinking about this, right? So to me, it always felt like um, like one thing to do was renting out cap space. I didn't think you needed it, but it's the sort of thing where if there were salary dumps that presented themselves, then by all means, you know, but let's, let's look at two different timelines. One where the Knicks take on both salary dumps, you know, Iguodala and 
Harkless. Get two first-round picks, eat the salary. Um, same thing probably happens with Iguodala, where the Knicks, maybe they don't send him home because of, but well, or maybe they do, because look at what happened with Noah. But it's like they, they get two first-round picks out of it and essentially dead salary, and they can trade those players at the deadline and, and use that. That's one. The other is this option, but mid-season with the trade deadline rolling around, the team trades enough of the players to recoup assets and turns that cap space that was completely empty into future assets in itself. Like, if that's what happens, can we really be that upset? Yeah, I don't know that you can, um, you know, and obviously because we're talking about Marcus Morris now um, because and he's he, he will get a first round pick like that's I don't think there's any question about that as long as he does, you know, some injury doesn't befall him, which we had some funny texts about earlier this week. <laughs> um, no, I don't I don't disagree with you. Um, and, and just the one other thing that I want to say. It, it we should be clear. There was no. Other than, other than Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker, who apparently had no interest in coming here, um, there, which is, again, uh, leads to a whole host of other questions about this front office and this team and franchise and owner and the whole thing. But putting those aside for a moment, there was no shooting point guard, like real shooting point guard on the market this summer. So given that and given that you were going to you needed to build a team. um like what really what more other than the option that you're talking about, which maybe now we're going to find out they, they get, to, they got to have their cake and eat it too. What more could they really have done? Um, you know, once they lost out on, on KD and Kyrie, which by the way, as every day passes, we have to continue to ask, was mm-hmm. that really a loss? But we're not, gonna, <laughs> we're not going to get into that um, right now. So let, let me ask you this in your, in your perfect world, your perfect world, because here's what my perfect world would be. My perfect world would be they trade some of these guys, they loosen up the roster, they get even more shooting on the on the floor at the same time. And I'm talking about Bullock and Ellington and Dotson and Knox. You know, I know getting Portis out of here would, would seem like you're losing some shooting, but to me, you're actually gaining it because that would give you the opportunity to play Randall more minutes at center and start to kind of phase out Taj a little bit. So really you're just getting smaller, um, kind of similar, same logic with, with Marcus Morris and, and Dennis Smith Jr. Who can't hit the far side of a barn. Um, like get those guys out of here, you know, maybe even get Iggy in there with some minutes and, and have him play some small ball four here. Like have, make those moves, acquire potentially some, some assets and the team keeps looking competent. And to that end, I'm going to throw one more stat out here. You would not think that RJ and Mitch and Julius Randle, three, you know, more or less non-shooters, at least by the definition that we, we go by in terms of like, do, does anybody guard them? And the answer for all three is no. Um, like the three of them on the court together under Mike Miller uh, is, I think, plus 8.4 uh, net rating in like 120 something minutes. Like he's figured out a way to make those pieces work together, which is why I'm encouraged that the scenario that I just laid out where they like move some of these pieces and continue to do well and maybe even do better. Isn't 
Maybe it's not that much of a fantasy. We could now we could be talking two weeks from now after this West Coast road trip and they go whatever, 0-4, 0-5, including the Portland game, and they look terrible and it's a whole different conversation. I'm just talking about right this second. If you're asking me like what am I thinking, this is where I'm at. Yeah, and I'm I'm totally with you. It's the sort of thing where and I, you know, I was listening to the Wizards broadcast last night, and it's the sort of thing where they were talking about Portis and who better to know than them? considering how he was on the team last year. And uh, the color commentator was saying how Portis is really miscast. He's he's far better than what we're seeing him with the Knicks. And granted, he's, okay, maybe not far better, but it's a sort of situation where he's he's not being used accordingly. And I, I totally see what he meant, where it feels like Portis I, sometimes I'm curious, what his, did they say? I mean, it was really just that. that he, he didn't really elaborate very much on that, but I, and, you know, I, I didn't watch enough of Portis on the Wizards to get a better understanding. But from if I recall correctly, I believe the Wizards used Portis as a five more than he'd ever been used in his career. He was almost exclusively a five. And yeah. he was taking, in 27 minutes a game, he was taking uh, 4.3 three-point attempts a game um, and hitting 40% of them. So, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, one thing he did also say was he he talked about the fact that the Knicks did bring in so many bigs. He he didn't necessarily go with the power forward theme that we've all heard, but you know, there's certainly a point to what he was saying where it just seems like because he's getting the lowest minutes I think of his career, he's, he's averaging He's a, at 21.5 um last season between Chicago and Washington, he was at a total of 26 minutes a game. Third year in Chicago, his his third year in the league, he was at 22.5. So he hasn't been at this small number of minutes since uh, his second year in the league with Chicago. But the one thing I just do want to note here is it's not like Portis was playing a ton more under Fizz. Under Mike Miller, uh, Bobby Portis has been averaging 20.6 minutes a game. Under Fizdale, he was averaging just a, a tick more than that. I think he was averaging, yeah, 22. I think what you started to see with Portis is that he's had less isolation opportunities, which yes. thank the good Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> himself. Um, I don't. I think the only person who's complaining about that is probably Bobby Portis. But I, I, I don't know if that's what they were talking about. But you know, whatever, maybe. Right. So, but in terms of the rest of the roster, I mean, yes, I don't think shedding him really hits you that hard. I, I would. I do still wonder if one of Ellington and Bullock is moved at some point, just based on the fact that. It really depends on what direction the front office decides to go because, yes, spacing would absolutely help the players on the roster. And also, uh, yeah, I want to keep go back, those guys. Don't I, you, I, don't I'm you with you a little yes, bit. Yes, I yeah. do. But I feel like we also had this conversation regard, in regards to Morris or at least others. Yeah, have had we, and it's we like, did. okay, well, you got if, if these guys, if you don't see them coming back in the future, you got to squeeze every drop of future asset out of them because it's really not about now. It is about the future. And if you can get something for Wayne Ellington as he rehabs a sore left Achilles, I mean, I hope he's healthy just for the sake of himself, right? But yeah. but if if he's going to get hurt, I don't necessarily want it to be in New York. And it's, I agree. You know, so that's the sort of thing where, yes, I think it helps players like Julius, um, like RJ, any of these guys really who who has trouble, shoot, trouble shooting, spacing out the floor does a tremendous – it it takes the burden off them absolutely. Well, and can we talk for for just a quick second about the benefit of doing that? 
because it's it's not only development, but are, are we going to get to a, a point where, I mean, again, they're not going to win five out of every 11 games for the rest of the year. But if, if this level of competence keeps up, like, does it go back to becoming the type of situation like the front office theoretically envisioned before this year, where it's like, we're going to start to look like a team that is one piece away or maybe a piece and a half away you know, if if it's a big enough piece, and obviously there's only a few of those pieces, and we don't have to say who they are, but like a year and a half from now, that might want to like is is does this see is the, is that still is that even still in the cards? And again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I you know I I these are the again these are just the things that are on my mind. That's all I want of course. to throw that. And out I there. do I do think that the Nets provide a viable blueprint, right? Like it was um it was a really good supporting cast led by an all-star who, in my opinion, can't elevate you at the salary he's making in D'Angelo Russell, just based on the fact that you have to hide him on defense in the playoffs or he's just really not playable. And if 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 he's not efficient enough, then he's kind of holding you back. But that's exactly what they what they what the Nets did so well. They opened up cap space while showing we've got a great bench here. We've got a great cast. We can put you in a system where we can highlight your skills to such degree and they swapped one out for another and then added something else. And I think Levert also may have played a big factor. And I, I'm I'm kind of hoping that if in the future the Knicks have that type of situation, RJ is that version of Levert. Not so much in terms of a talent level where like I'm not well, saying RJ would be Levert, but that type of no, uh, I'd, I'd, role. No, I I I feel bad saying I would sign for that. But Levert's – I mean that dude was going to be an all-star before he got hurt last year. Yeah, he was phenomenal. He was. Like, I didn't, I'm, yeah. I was shocked he came back, and I was so happy he did because yeah. I I thought he obliterated his leg, but fortunately he did not. But yeah, like that, that sort of thing. Where at least from a floor perspective with RJ, and that's sort of what you hope for. But again, without that superstar or all star wing who really can or big guard, big lead guard, it's it's kind of just like you got to keep looking for that. You have to keep finding it, and if you can't find it in this draft, you have to hope for the next one because. You're going to have trouble in free agency for at least a few years. And I don't trust this front office when it comes to the trade market. Like that's that, in my opinion, is the biggest that, issue. It's for the me. elephant. I, it's the scary elephant in the room. Yeah. And, and I'm not even talking about Porzingis per se. Um, I've harped on this before. I'll harp on it again. It terrifies me that the Knicks have not had a suitable player that they've traded for who actually, you know, you can project to be a piece long term. Uh, that's that's just awful. That's a abysmal scouting, abysmal trade value, because really this roster has 15 guys, and of the 15, only two of them came via trade. One was Brazdakis, which I really don't count because that was a draft day trade. Yeah, and no, I wouldn't count that. And the other is Dennis Smith Jr., who is on the outs as it is. Yeah. So when you're completely ignoring or failing to succeed in one facet of the three, and then you're struggling in a second with with the draft and then the third you're resting all of your hopes in one thing and then your fallback plan just isn't really nearly as exciting both from a fan perspective but more importantly from an on the court perspective that's kind of just a summation where and you know i just i just i have to vent on one thing really quickly um i saw something about how it's like cheering for the front office to lose their jobs right um, and that's really not what it is. It's about accountability. And we're in this position as fans where we can separate the people from the work that they do. And professionally speaking, 
it's been a disappointment. And I'm sure if you ask James Dolan, I mean, he went on the Michael K show and what we can say now, 10 months later, essentially embarrassed himself because the results were not what he expected and what we expected. Which, by the way, um, I, I wonder how much that bothers him because what again, it's no, like, I'm sure it bothers him. Where was he? To- where do you think he was getting that information from? And now he has to live with it and he has to look at the people who, who told him that. Yeah. Um, and after that, it's like, okay, well, I thought I was getting these players. Okay, fine. They're injured. I get it. But I thought I was getting them. I, I proclaimed that we were getting them. And then and there's a two and eight start. And you sold me on a roster I thought could be competitive. And even if we didn't think that, I mean, we're talking about a guy who, who in James Dolan just has a different understanding of basketball than, than even fans do. And less from a people standpoint, but again, like his track record shows that he sometimes does too much or he, he makes deals that would be too rich for our blood. And so when looking at that, it's like, okay, well taking that into consideration and then the two and eight start. And I, I still do believe that Miller was brought on by the front office in the beginning of the season to, as a fallback plan for if, when fizz doesn't work out because fizz was brought in for these stars and, and then it just kind of like goes one to the next. And I, I, I still, you know, I'll believe that this front office is gone when they're actually gone. But man, if you're Dolan, how do you, how do you live with this? And then just say, okay, well, we'll regroup for the next year. And I'm not even talking about looking at the trade market and the draft because to him, he's being sold potential for the draft and the trade market. Other than Porzingis leaving, I don't think that there's really that much. Like, I don't, I don't expect him to, to think in, in analyzing every trade and kind of like bringing it all to the forefront, you know? I do. Um, I do. I, you know, you, you, you brought up a lot of good points there and I, you know, the thing really what this comes down to ultimately is how good or how poor a judge of what is actually happening in front of his face. Um, you know, James Dolan really is. Um, and that's a scary thought. Um, but that's, I mean, isn't that what it comes down to in the end? Um, if you're talking about how he, how he's going to assess, because like, I think the fear that you have and the fear that a lot of people have is that this front office is going to try to make a win now move to try to save their jobs. Well, it, it only saves their jobs if James Dolan looks at it and says, that's a good move. So if he's not dumped, like, okay, so a name that a lot of, a lot of fans and I, I don't, I don't want to be the guy who shits on people's dreams, but like people who are like, go trade for D'Angelo Russell. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry guys. Like, just, like, no, um, like, yep. do you disagree? No, I'm, I'm complete. I mean, I just not even 10 minutes ago said he's the type of player where I don't see him leading a team because of he's inefficient. Look, I, I think regular season d is, is phenomenal, but he's just not, he can't be your guy, especially at that salary. Yeah, no. And exactly. It's a problem, even though he's good. He's, he's a good no, he's, I mean, look, the guy just went for 30 points in the first half. Um, I, I don't know what the update is on his injury. I know he went down with a bum ankle. Um, but like you can, like, that's a guy that if you're not a discerning owner, um and and your front office is like look at what we just brought you 
a 20, how old is he? He's 25, 20, 23, excuse me. 23. Yeah. 23-year-old guy who made the All-Star team last season. Um, And you want to talk about, you know, something you could, a former number two pick in the draft. You want to talk about something you could sell? Um, Like, they would give up easily a first-round pick um, and probably one of the Dallas picks and a bunch of salary. And um, guess what? Golden State would be cheering uh, all the way to the bank uh, if if that happened, um, you know, for where they want to go long term and what they want to do. And like, yeah, would D'Angelo Russell like make the Knicks instantly better? Of course he would. He's a he's a he's a shooting point guard. Um, but if you're but if you're talking about again, we always go back to this stupid phrase, growing things the right way, like what makes more sense? trading out of because it would probably take this year's first round picks but even if it didn't like you have a draft full of guys who profile as lead guards maybe none of them end up being what D'Angelo Russell is is going to be maybe one of them do maybe two of them do I don't I don't know the answer to that question but I do know that whoever it is is a guy you get in your building and you put in your program and you grow him the way that you want to grow him for the cost over the course of, you know, four years that D'Angelo Russell is going to make next season. And it's like, if you want to talk, but again, and then that gets, this, see, this is why this all ties together. That gets back to, well, do you trust this front office and this development staff and this and this team to grow those guys the right way, which if we're really bringing it all together, is gets us back to the conversation about this season. Like, what are we learning about this season for, from here on in, what can Miller do with the kids that are here? Do we have any faith in this organization's ability to take these kids and to continue to make them better? Um, you know, so it's like inevitably it always turns into these into these big picture things. Um, I wanted to talk some fake trades before we got out of here, but anything else on this point before we move on? Yeah, I mean, if we're about to talk about fake trades, I'd say the one thing you could probably do, you know, because it feels like a catch-22 where the Knicks want – that type of point guard exactly that you're talking about, but they don't have the time to do it and they can't necessarily attract them either. So how do you, and they can't develop them. So, so where do you start? Um, and again, I, I think that the cupboard is not bare. In fact, it's pretty rich in terms of future assets. It could be more. Um, I'm starting to, to really warm up to the idea of trading more for that CP three type player Uh, And I'm not quite there yet on John Wall because that contract is just so, so bad. And when you're talking about trading for that player, you're talking about getting assets back. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, no, that's okay. It's the sort of thing where if you're taking on that type of a commitment, especially for a player like John Wall, then I'm expecting some sort something to come back. Because you think about how if the Wizards want to keep Beal and build around him, that just opening up that cap space is really how you can do it because I think that Wall's injury over time, he's never gonna he's never gonna meet what that contract is. And so it's like, okay, well, why should the Knicks have it? It's like, well, if you came to a situation where you have a guy who can still drive, you have a guy who can who can who's one of the best passers, you know, we don't know what he's like in transition because of the Achilles. I'm sure there's gonna be a significant difference in year one, uh, at least when he comes back next year. But it's it's like, okay, well. If you told me that the Knicks really weren't going to get anyone in that time frame anyway, it's a sunk cost, sure. But then if you have someone like him, 
what's really the problem here? Because then you can have you can have your first round pick be coming off the bench or well, yeah, because he wouldn't start with him, or at least you have him starting alongside him. You could push RJ to the three. You could you could do something where but again, I'm I'm not quite there yet with Wall. It's just the idea of taking on salary, accumulating assets, because really if if there aren't that many options, like we we can't just say Giannis and, and hope for 2021 because other than him, there's really no one else. And 2022 well, doesn't have anyone either. So not, I mean, look, Kawhi. I, I'm saying in terms of pure stars, because of the fact that I don't see Kawhi, PG or LeBron leaving, yeah, let alone. Fuck LeBron. Them. I don't want LeBron. Right. Right. But again, if we're talking about like, LeBron, go and go I go still go. don't think at 36 years old, he's going to be at that level anyway, where we would need to want to see. No, him you're, talking about Gian, you're talking about Giannis and, and Kawhi. Like those are your guys, and but again, like why would Kawhi leave? Th- that sort of thing. Where and you could say why would Giannis leave, or why would he go to the Knicks over? And then it's the same conversation. Just, it gets into right. the same. It's it's you. You got to take care of what's in your building, and like I I understand that's almost an argument for trade for trading for a guy like D'Angelo Russell because he's younger than obviously Wall um, or 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 CP three and, and is the asset that, and that I guess where I fall differently on this is I don't, I'm not sure that there's any asset that the wizards would reasonably give me that would get me to take on wall. Um, if they gave you, for example, next year's first round, they're not going to do that though. Right. But I'm saying it's, but then again, they, they have a commitment that they need to get rid of. If they view it that way, and I don't think they do. I really don't think they do. I think this front office, the, the the owner just, he, he, the guy that he just fired, was on the job for 14 years. Yeah. So clearly who's there now. And I forget who, who I, I, I know they hired from within. Um, clearly he's going to get time. I, I would be shocked if they didn't just like let wall get back on the court and try to look like the semblance of the player that he once was. And then this time next year, people are talking about, Oh, well, John wall only, two, only two and a half years more uh, left on his deal. Um, he's only 30 years old. And like somebody talks themselves into taking that on somewhat willingly. Um, same story with CP3. I don't think they're going to give up an asset because, again, what's Oklahoma City going to do with that cap space? It's it's Oklahoma City. Who the hell wants to go there, um, even to visit, let alone to to play there? So, um, anyway, um, and you know what I was just thinking after I land based the idea of trading for D'Angelo Russell, I was thinking to myself, well, if you traded for Russell, maybe his best friend, uh, the the, yep. ge- the gentleman over in Minnesota. But again, <laughs> what what the hell is that going to do? The guy's locked up for four more years. All right, um, we digress. So before we get out of here, uh, let's do some you want to do some fake Dennis Smith Jr. trades. Sure. What could be more fun than that? Um, okay. So we, what's the first team that comes to your mind when you're talking about trading for Dennis Smith? Just someone who might want to trade for Dennis Smith Jr. I'm curious if it's the same one that pops into mind. Yeah. Well, I did honestly think about this team before it was reported, but. It has to be the Wolves. Um, but, you know, I'd say a close second, maybe not now, honestly, because of what they're seeing with Devontae Graham, but it would have been the Hornets. Yeah, the Hornets because of where DSJ is from, um, right? Like that would be because he, he is from uh, yeah. North Carolina, right? Yes, he is. Um, do you think DSJ is a Minnesota type of, type of guy? No, but I honestly don't know how many of the players on Minnesota are Minnesota types of guys. <laughs> like that, they don't necessarily have a choice. Um, 
I like that. That's that's well put. How could we get DSJ to Minnesota? What do you want from Minnesota that Minnesota has to give? Um, I would say a second round pick in this year's draft. Or well, actually, I um, let me rephrase it. I would say a second round pick in a a future year's draft because I still I think at a certain point you need to start spacing out your assets and having too much of a collection right now is it's good, but you could use those in a trade down the line. So I would actually prefer that even though I do expect the Minnesota second round pick to be what in within the top 10 of the second round, maybe, um, maybe like 12th in the second round if cat is healthy or so. See, that's the thing is like, and, and, and that's why Minnesota is a tough team to figure out because they just brought about aboard the guy from Houston who um, seemingly is a, as a smart guy and who they're going to give him time to really build this thing, you know, the right way. They have Teague's money coming off the books this year. Um, they have Gor- Gorgi- Gorgi Zhang. I think I pronounced that correctly, making 16 million this year and 17 um, next year. So salary wise, if you trade, cause I don't think they're going to, they, they, they're not going to, you know they they're not going to want Marcus Morris because they're I think the the idea of Minnesota trying to win something this year is is out the door, so I think they're probably just looking to like take the shot on DSJ and just like make the salary work. I I can't I mean maybe they just swap one young player for another like they have Bates Bates Jop I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, I don't know if that's a guy that next would be interested. I know some people like Jalen Noel. It might I'm probably pronouncing that wrong as well but he's a young player that they have. I'm more thinking like they package DSJ and Bobby Portis together for either Teague or Zhang. And if you take, but my, I don't know if Minnesota is that, if it's that big of a priority for them to move Zhang's money next year, because again, it's Minnesota. What are they really going to spend that money on this off season? Um, And on the flip side, I don't see them necessarily – I don't see the Knicks wanting to take on that salary given how it's kind of been like a refresh of every year. But I do think the one thing with Jang, they would be interested in getting rid of him because if they were to trade with the Warriors to acquire D'Angelo Russell in the offseason, all they would have to do is take on salary. They could send picks or a pick, whatever it is, and, and they could just That's... take on D'Angelo because of that space cleared by Jang's salary. And you know – you know who the Warriors might like is Robert Covington, um, who obviously makes a lot a lot less than D'Angelo Russell. But what you're talking, he's locked up for two more years. Um, Interesting, you said that because I I thought you were going to say Culver because then if they match this year's pick with Culver, they you're now talking about a younger core that's kind of getting ahead of it. But yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying with Rocco because of course he fits the win now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you plug team. him in with. Uh, you know, Steph and Clay and Draymond. I mean, that's uh, you know, that's a fun team all of a sudden. And they'll probably get Iggy back. I would imagine he wants to return because from reports that I've read, he loved being there. Still wants to be there. His businesses are there. I think his family is still there. Where it just makes sense for him to go back there. He understands that as part of the business, his salary was so large he had to be shipped out. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even really think about that. That being a potential reason for them to want to clear out Jang's money. Um. I th- the deal that I could honestly see happen and that it, it would not shock me in the least would be Portis and 
DSJ for Teague and a second round pick. And, you know, the Knicks would feel like, all right, we're getting a guy in Jeff Teague who is a serviceable point guard for, you know, 20, 25 minutes a night. Um, I checked, I checked recently what he was shooting from three this year. It's, I think it's decent. Um, yeah, last I checked, he was hovering over 38. It was, yeah, it was a decent percentage, but he doesn't take hardly any. Um, and like every time I've ever read something about the Timberwolves since Teague has got there, it's always been the same kind of version of like, you know, like why is Jeff Teague? Um, and then some version of that. It's like he he has wholly been unimpressive in his time there. Um, I don't know. Um, I I I could see them certainly being interested in him. Uh, what that would portend for uh young Frank Nilakina, who has not played. He is again one of the few guys who has not played better under Miller. Um, although I liked the effort that he had against the. Uh, against Washington uh, in the most recent game. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what, where that's at. Um, the other team that stood out to me for a possible DSJ and, and just because, you know, one that long ago, the, the Bron Bron, Bronny, our friend uh, was talking about how the Knicks missed out on, you know, getting the steal of the draft and Dennis, but junior and how stupid they were for taking Franklin Lokino over him. Um, how'd that age? Um, I, I don't – you think the Lakers would want to, like, try to re- reclimate Dennis Smith Jr.'s career whilst chasing a championship? Does that sound like something that they would want to do? You just put into my mind the idea of a Dennis Smith Jr. for Kyle Kuzma trade. And Did I, I just, do that for you? You did. Should I, I feel, feel bad very, about the fact that – I feel very triggered right now, John. Do you? No, it's – Oh, absolutely. I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't mean I to should. do that. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, you know, it's – the thing is that I think the the Lakers are kind of in a point where they don't really want to reclaim anyone right now because they don't have the patience or the time. Like the time to, to develop and draft and hold on to younger assets was before LeBron said he was coming. And then even then after that, it was, okay, well – figuring out everything to send over for Anthony Davis. You know, it's the sort of thing where they, they play great defense and maybe Vogel can get through to Dennis Smith Jr. But the thing with Dennis Smith Jr. is he's, it means he has to play off of the bench, obviously. But I think but he'd be like okay what, doing it there. But over Caruso, it's the sort of thing where I feel like he just, like what he needs is, uh, or what the Lakers need is more, a Caruso mold than it is with Dennis Smith Jr. And I, yes, defense potentially, but I still don't see him distributing or sharing the ball. I really think he wants to run the show, and I don't think he'll yeah. be given he's to run the second unit in LA like he look probably wants to. I'm not saying it's a this year thing for LA, but I'm saying if there's any team in the league and any player in the league who Dennis Smith Jr. would be comfortable going and being and like being cajoled into being like, listen, we're going to get you right. Um, stick with me. I believe in you. Um, you're going to be a star by the time I'm done with you. It's LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. And so the Lakers have, we should say, they cannot trade a second round pick this year. They cannot trade a second round pick next year. Um, and they cannot trade a second round pick in 2022. They have no second round picks to trade um, to speak of. 
Um, they, because of the Stepien rule, cannot trade a first round pick. Um, they actually would be able to trade their first round pick this year if it was like after they used it. So like it could, if it's draft night and they pick whoever with whatever pick yes. in the draft, they could trade it then because that they have made the pick. So, um, uh, that would be fine. Um, but that's where he's, it's not going to take that long. <sighs> they just, they have a limited track record of maximizing the potential. Of I'm just players. thinking about Kuzma, especially with this whole, this whole nonsense that just happened. What would, cause, and keep, here's the other thing to keep in mind, right? The Lakers now, the only way, this is where it gets interesting, right? The only way the Lakers can improve that roster, um, we don't have to talk about this for too long, and we'll we'll end after this, but the only way Lakers can improve that roster going forward, right, because they don't have any young talent to speak of, and they have no picks, would be to acquire picks somehow. Who is the only guy on the roster who is good enough to get real picks is Kyle Kuzma. How many teams out there are going to be dumb enough, and I say that tongue-in-cheek kind of, but not really, to give up real stuff for Kyle Kuzma, who is he actually a really good NBA player or is he actually terrible? And we just, we really don't know. Um, how many teams would be willing to give up real stuff to find out which of those two things was more true. And you know what I'm thinking, Jeremy, I'm thinking of New York has these Dallas picks, right? And I wonder if they look at those Dallas picks like, Hey, it's free money. And we could spin it with, you know what? Yeah, we traded away uh, Christoph Swingers, but guess what? We got back. We got back Kyle fucking Kuzma. Jesus Dude, oh. you could see it. You could see it in front of your eyes playing out well, as we live and breathe. And here's the thing. But I'm I think, not even wait, convinced think, it'd be bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the one benefit is that having Randall at the four really restricts what the Knicks can do with Kuzma. By the way, I'm so, looking up right now who, 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 what agent represents Kyle Kuzma. Keep going. Yeah, so it's the sort of thing. And also, I mean, I get you're saying with young talent, but I really don't think the Lakers care because they traded away all of their young talent and, and their future picks to capitalize on now. So if that's the case, I think, I think that what they're looking for more is someone who can help them win in the present, not someone who can help you know for an asset purpose because – yeah, the, the, the Lakers have – the roster they have is locked in because teams really aren't going to want to trade for players with player options uh, even in a, in a crappy offseason. Like it's just – it's they're not really movable. And I don't see KCP going anyway because of the connection with LeBron and, and all the agency issues and well, I don't know if I could say issues. But just the nepotism, let's, let's call it that. And Bradley's not going to go anywhere. Rondo's going to stay. So there are really a lot of immovable pieces. I'm with you that I think Kuzma does get moved. I think he was going to potentially get moved before this whole fiasco about the trainer came out. This is just another reason why he I could see him going. But by the way, I, I've been sitting here for the last about 90 seconds with the biggest shit eating grin on my face because of what I'm about to tell you. Just do it. Just rip off the bandaid. Do you know who Kyle Kuzma's new agent is as of this summer? I feel like it's it's someone either in CAA or Bartlestein. You know it. No, he left Bartlestein to go with CAA and not just any CAA agent. 
Guess Leandro what? Post. First in your alphabet, first in your hearts, Aaron Mintz, who represents da, 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 Julius Randle and Alfred Payton. Oh, my goodness. So here's the deal. This is going to be the deal. It's going to be Dennis Smith Jr. for, uh, let's see. It's going to be Dennis Smith Jr. The question, the really what this comes down to, because this is happening. I'm now convinced this is happening. It's going to be Dennis Smith Jr. either like straight up for Kyle Kuzma and obviously the Knicks would send, I would say, both of the Dallas picks. Um, and like the Lakers would send back salary filler or does it become a bigger transaction with Marcus Morris also going to the Lakers, except in order for that to work, it would need to be. <sighs> but see, would... I, like, I don't see Morris going to the Lakers anyway because of the salary that has to yeah, come back. Yeah, but wait, 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 wait. Hold on. All right. I'll, it, I'll let you go. If he, does, if he doesn't go to the Lakers, guess who's getting him? The Clippers. Clippers, yeah. And do you th- and LeBron James knows Marcus Morris very well. If for no other reason than he than for the fact that he would get to keep him away from the team that he knows full well is going to be the only thing that prevents him from getting to the finals this year. If that's the literally the only reason they trade for him, would that be would that be enough of a reason to ship off K it would to would would he talk KCP into being okay with going away for that? And keep in mind, KCP's next year is a player option for $8.5 million. Um, I believe the Lakers would have an exception that, they could, that KCP could d- decline that and then sign back in LA. So it would be – how would this work? It would be KCP – because Quinn- K- yeah, KCB has a no trade clause, right? Based on the contract structure that he signed. Yeah, I mean, but obviously they wouldn't tra- they wouldn't try to move him unless they got his okay anyway, because of his, right. his boy. So it'd be KCP, Quinn Cook, Jared Dudley, Troy Daniels, and Kyle Kuzma. I th- um I think all of that money would need to be included, and it would be for um it would be Marcus Morris, DSJ. Uh, which just fits um, under the salary matching rules. And then the only question would be if the Knicks sent Marcus Morris, would that lessen the price that they would have to pay in terms of um, one of the Dallas picks? Because theoretically, if Marcus Morris is worth the first round pick, then wouldn't you have to send back one less pick and which pick would it be? Would it be the protected pick or would it be the unprotected one that's coming in 2021? Jeremy, this is happening. This is 1000% happening. Just because we've, we've said a lot of names. So just to rehash this, you're saying it would be Morris and DSJ. Morris and DSJ. For Kuzma, KCP. um, And then stuff, salary filler. Nobody, nobody that's actually playing for the Lakers right now, including Jared Dudley, which would be the funniest fucking thing in the history of the universe. But uh, no other assets for the Knicks. No, no, the Knicks would send back at one. In this scenario, the Knicks would send back one of the Dallas picks. If it's, if it's a, no, 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 no. no, Because how are we getting from a situation like? I'm not saying Woj is God here, but um, he at least has uh, an incredible pulse on the entire league. I don't know how how we've gotten from the Knicks getting a first for Marcus Morris to giving up one with him to get. It's Kuzma easy because Miller. if you're if you're talking about trading DSJ for Kyle Kuzma, 
the Lakers in that transaction would demand they would I'm sure they that's at the beginning would demand a Knicks one of the Knicks own picks like unprotected and God willing the Knicks wouldn't be drunk enough to say yes to that so the Knicks they would ultimately I think settle on both Dallas picks so both Dallas picks with DSJ for Kyle Kuzma and then if that is the base of the deal do the Knicks then go well why don't we just send you Morris and why don't we keep one of the Dallas picks and then the question would be, which of the Dallas picks do they keep? Do they keep the one that's protected far off into the future, or do they keep the one that's unprotected coming in two years? You've gone off the deep end. Dude, I'm it's happening. Uh, it's uh, fucking write it no, down. It's, no, it, no, write it, I, spell out your, it's like spelling out your name in concrete when you're a kid in front of your house. It's Write it down in fucking pen, permanent marker. This is happening. I, would I refuse be, I, to accept it. Uh, well, 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 we'll have to agree to disagree there. All right. <laughs> we've, we've talked... <laughs> As as usual, we've talked far longer than we intended to, but this was this was fun. Um, thank you for indulging my my craziness. Um, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Happy New Year! Ah, Happy- yes. Oh. Happy New Year! Um, Happy New Year to all. And if you have stuck with us this long, um, a reminder—not a reminder because I haven't sent any of this yet. Um, we're I'm going to be doing a um, mailbag episode uh, with. Uh, KFS intern uh, Chris Persianen. Uh, I think we're going to try to record that on New Year's Eve day. So if you're listening to this and you want to um, send in questions uh, for that um, for that uh, podcast, email them to uh, what the fuck is the email address? Let me look it up. Here we go. KFS mailbag at gmail.com. One time, one more time. It's kfsmailbag at gmail.com. Okay. Um, Jeremy, thank you as always. Let's go watch some football. And hopefully, I have not looked at any scores over the last hour. So it's, by the way, we're recording this at 6 16 p.m. But both Jeremy and I have a lot of money on the line today. Um, I don't want you to say a damn thing about any of the games because um, I want to go find out for myself right now. I won't. All right. All right. All right. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Good deal.